Okay, this morning, just thankful to be here uh, and to be in a place where we can all receive the mind of Christ. A very uh, phenomenal thing. And uh, it, this just goes into the way that God has so designed us in our particular image. And we can even understand that even in the way that he formed us and our physical bodies, we know, first of all, that God, and when we speak of God, we speak of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he created man in his image. He created us in his image in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. This is brought out in the fact that he created man, male and female, created them specifically by his choice and have given them all of us a free will this is brought out again in genesis chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. the image of god and and of course we know when he made that statement in genesis 1 26 and 27 he's when it was stated let us create man in our image the image of, of god the triune God, he created man, spirit, soul, and body. This was the prayer that he gave the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. He said, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. And in First Thessalonians 5 and verse 24, he said, faithful is he who called us, who also will do it. And we know, and we know in the internal mind of God, as he was facing his son in, in the deity that God is in John 1, verses 1 and 2, he always saw him as a lamb. And, and we know this based upon Revelations 13 and verse 8 and in Hebrews 4 and verse 3. The works were finished. That's about our image. The image that God created man in, the true image, is the image of Jesus Christ. That is the one man obviously through the whole preponderance of the scriptures that he created us we know that even by our physical bodies in genesis 2 7 he he created us from the dust of ground but then he breathed into adam and eve was in him at that particular time if you go further down in genesis the second chapter you will see that in in 20 through 24 that he took eve he was that rib. He took Eve out of him. So when he created Adam and Eve, he created man from the, from the dust of the ground. It says he breathed into him the breath of lies. It's plural there. And this all has to do with our proper image. And literally, even our, it's our whole spirit, soul, and body. But that has to do with our image. Part of our image, without any question about it, is the physical bodies that God designed us in, male and female. Male and female. That is the form that he created us uh, in. And what a tremendous thing this has to do. Because literally and truthfully, it has to do with the image of God through his son in each individual and of course, much more as, as, as we see, as we are a part of that body of Christ in Ephesians 5.30. We are the body of Christ. 
and that he's the head of this particular body, the body of Christ. That's every single believer born new in Acts, the second chapter, when he began to form the church in the image, our own image makes up everything about that image that Christ is. And the way that he even formed our physical bodies is amazing the way that this is brought out. The way it is in, in the types in, in the scripture. For instance, when we look in this particular word, we want to get into it just a little bit this morning. When it says that it speaks about the forehead, when it speaks about the forehead, first place we see this is in Exodus 28 and verse 30 in the types. We'll see this in the types. Let me just read that this morning before we, we get into this and, and, and trust God for his full thought about his, his son in each of us. And we can see this here again in Exodus 28 and, and verse 30. And he's speaking about Aaron. Aaron here is a type is a type of the work that God was bringing out about his son who would come in the future in Galatians 4 and verse 4 and, and destroy the works of the devil by his coming in 1 John uh, 3 and verse 8. But here, Aaron is that type, and this is what it says in verse 30. And it says, And you will put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they will be upon Aaron's heart, upon his breast. When he goes in before the Lord, we see that very, very clearly. And Aaron will bear the judgment of the children of Israel, we see here, in a very beautiful way, upon his heart before the Lord continually. Now, again, in Leviticus, the 13th chapter, and we can see that down through there. And we see it by the time we get to verse 38 here, before we go to Leviticus, you can follow it down. And this is loaded with truth. And we only have so much time to get into and, and have the mind of Christ revealed to us. But if you follow it all the way down through, and it is so incredible when we read it. Let's just read it. Verse 31 of Exodus uh, 28. And you will make the robe of the ephod all of blue, heavenly. Blue speaks of heavenly. And there will be a hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. And it will have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a habergian, that it be not rent. This obviously speaks about the, the beauty of Christ, his oneness. You can see that even in some, the 22nd chapter, 16 down through, where they were trying, they couldn't tear his robe. You can't do that. You can't separate the beauty of who Christ is from what he has accomplished. You cannot do that. They couldn't do that. So they had to cast lots for it. But here... That's what it's bringing out. It also says this too, and 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 beneath upon the hem of it, you will make pomegranates of blue and of purple and scarlet round about the hem thereof, 
and, and bells of gold between them round about, and a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it will be upon Aaron to minister, to minister. This is bringing out the beauty of Christ. He came from heaven. In John 3, 27, blue speaks of heaven. Can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? We know that he, he, he descended down from heaven. And, and all that Ephesian truth that's brought out in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9, we see that very clearly in the scriptures, brought out so beautifully. And so here it says on, on roundabout, and there was a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe. And it will be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, that he die not. The reason that this was, was he would go in and everything had to be done precisely as that type of Christ that would go into the Holy of Holies. Everything had to be precise. And on hit, on hit, while he was doing the service in the Holy of Holies, there would be the bells. And as long as you heard the bells, you knew that he was performing it as God was directing him perfectly. And then there would be a cord. And in case he did one thing wrong out of the order of God, he would be struck dead and they would have to pull him out because no one could go in there. And this is bringing out the beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in the types. And then verse 36, it says, and you will make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the gravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. You will put it on a blue on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre. Upon the forefront of the mitre it will be. Here's verse 38. And it will be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel will hallow and all their holy gifts, and it will be always upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. Obviously, this brings out in beauty in many different ways. This is the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, that we're to let be in us in Philippians 2 and verse 5. We have the mind of Christ. We're to set our minds on things above. In Colossians 3 and verse 2, not on things of the earth, because we did die. From the earth. This is brought out everything about the world system. This was brought out in Galatians 6 and verse 14. God does when we function in the mind of Christ in the forefront, in our forehead, we know that the world is crucified unto us and us unto the world. Not a thing about us is totally different. God put a difference between Egypt, the world system, those that functioned in it, and Israel, those that were his, in Exodus 11 and verse 7. And we see these things very beautifully in the scriptures. It will be upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord, before the Lord. Again, we see this in Leviticus. And just read that just quickly this morning. In Leviticus, the 13th chapter, we see it again brought out so very, very beautifully. Leviticus 13, and we see here 
in verse 41. We see this. This is all speaking about the plague of leprosy that would be in individuals. And leprosy is a type of sin. And we know a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In Galatians 5 and verse 9 and 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. And we're to be aware of it. We're to be very, very aware of it. And this goes into even in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, bringing out the fifth verse. In verse 41, it says, And he that has his hair fallen off from part of his head toward his face, he, he is forehead bald, yet he is, yet he is clean. And it goes into all of this. The plague, the plague of sin affects the plague of sin, leprosy, affects the whole mind, emotions, and will, the conscience, the self-consciousness, which is the five parts of the soul that affects the spirit and brings in all the lust patterns and all those attachments. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 25, Oh Lord, oh Lord, my soul is cleaving to the dust. Quicken me according to your word. Enliven me according to your word. It's your word that will cleanse us constantly. And we are cleansed. Those that are Christ are cleansed. We see this brought out beautifully in John 13, 4 through 10. And we see the results of it in this continuing uh, process in uh, progressive sanctification. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27, so that he can present us to himself with a clean conscience in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. Clean, purified in Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, just, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, we're to think on these things. We're going to see how we do this and how God designed even our, our physical bodies right now, our brains, and how he's developed it and how he can redeem it until we do get our brand new bodies. And this is brought up very, very beautifully. And you can see it all the way through here in verse 42, Leviticus 13. And if there be in the bald head or bald forehead a white reddish sore, it is a leprosy sprung up in, in his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest will look upon it and behold, if the rising of the sore be white reddish in his bald head or in his bald forehead as the leprosy appears in the skin of the flesh. And he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest will pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. This is what, Jesus, this is what the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying to a whole bachelor nation in Isaiah 1, 5 and 6, your whole head is sick. Your whole head is sick. Your whole heart is faint. From the top of your head to your toes, there's no soundness in it. Nothing but putrefying sores running over. This is a mind that's been infected through not having Christ as a Savior. And then with the Christian who goes back to the flesh, even though, and the flesh is in us in Romans 8 9, but we're not of it. We are of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And this is our growth and our opportunity through the word of God to have all of this truth being brought to us. We also see it, and we don't have time to go into all these scriptures, but you'll see how David 
in First Samuel, and and we'll just read that very quickly here in First Samuel, and we'll see the beauty of this. And even in the types, there's so much to glean from every word of God, because every word of God is pure in Proverbs 30, verse 5. It's been purified in, in the earth seven times in Psalm 12, in verse 6, very beautifully. And then we see here again in the types, David, who was the type of Christ and the work that he was doing through him, would slay Israel's worst enemy, Goliath. Some believe he was anywhere from nine foot two to nine foot six. He was very big, a huge enemy, and caused Israel in tremendous fear. And God rose up David. David. It was he was God's choice. He wasn't man's choice, but he was God's choice. And and the and the fact of how he was representing Christ. And then we see in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. And we look at it here very, very beautifully brought out in verse 47. It says, and all this assembly will know that the Lord saves. Not with sword or spear, meaning it's not works of flesh. It's not man thinking improperly. No, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran. He quickly and speedily ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. Of course, that stone is Jesus Christ in Psalm 118, verse 22, and Isaiah 28 and verse 16. He's that stone. He's that massive ledge in, in Matthew 16 and verse 18, upon which we are built upon which all the truth that we have as believers in Christ, as his body, his church, his bride, is brought out beautifully in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. And here it says, he took a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. You see, God has defeated Satan on Calvary. Jesus Christ was that stone, and he's destroyed that lying forehead the father of all lies, every lust pattern in John 8, verse 44. Oh, my God, deliver us. You have positionally, and oh, God, do so now, experientially. But I've got to have, we all have to have a cleansed forehead, a cleansed mind. We all need to have that, every single one of us. He slung it in his forehead, and the stone sunk deep into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David, oh, our David, our precious Lord, prevailed against Satan. And he did it by faith, an accomplishment. Of course, this is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We are saved by grace, and it's through faith and none of ourselves. When the enemy comes in with his accusations in Revelation 12 and verse 10, by faith dependence, we take the word and, and we sling it. We sling it. And once again, he's defeated. He's defeated positionally. And now through his lies, he wants to work in our experience through getting thoughts that aren't of him, that aren't of Christ, but that are of him to function in us. 
and, and to be in our foreheads, in our forefront with his lies and his deception in Revelation 12 and verse 9. Well, you know why? Because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Exodus 14, 13, stand still. It's finished and see the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord, the continual deliverance based upon our position for us to experience it. The battle is the Lord's in Exodus 14, 14. So what are we to do? We're to go forward. This speaks of our spiritual warfare, of the cleansed mind in the midst of it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, even into the 19th verses. We pray in 18 and 19 for others. Well, he smote, he smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. No, he didn't. There wasn't any in him. We see it again. We see it again in Second Chronicles 26. Second Chronicles 26. And we'll just read it very, very quickly. In Second Chronicles 26, we see the, the beauty here in verse 19. Second uh, Chronicles 26, verse 19. Then it says, Then Isaiah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy, he even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord and be, be sat from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. They thrust him out from there. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. We were smitten once. We were born smitten. And Psalm 51 and, and verse 4, against God and God only have we done evil and committed this sin because we were born in it. In Psalm 51 and verse 5, our first being born, but thank God, being renewed in salvation through being born again by the Holy Spirit. We've been new. The leprosy and sin has been dealt with. God has dealt with each and every one of us, all of us, that in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4, put our hand on and said, yes, Lord. Yes. We, and then all of our sins, personal sins, were transferred on Jesus Christ on Calvary in the type. This goes into the two lots in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. You can look in those first 20 verses there. And you will see there was one lot for the Lord, and that's propitiation. And then the other lot was for us. That, that goat was killed. We go free. This speaks of everything that Christ had accomplished for us. This truth needs to be in our minds, needs to be in the forefront of our thinking, each and every single one of us. Then we can we see also, also this truth, even here in Ezekiel 3, 8, Ezekiel 9, in verse 4, Revelation 7 and verse 3, Revelations 9, verses, verse 4, Revelations 13, verse 6, Revelations 14, verse 1, Revelations 24, verse 4, Revelation 24 and verse 3. We can even see the evil that those function in, in the forehead, the content of thinking, thoughts that aren't from him. In Jeremiah 3 and verse 3. We see it again in Ezekiel 3, verses 8 and 9. We see it again in Ezekiel 16 and verse 12. And in Revelation 14, 9 and 17, 
and verse 5. But this is what we have. This is what you and I have. We have the mind of Christ positionally. Now would it be a habit taught experientially? And I love this, even in the finality as we enter into the ages of the ages. That means is brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 17. We have the hidden manna. We feast on it. What is the hidden manna? Well, everything that we went through in darkness, it was hidden. He was feeding us with the mind of Christ. And then we were lit up. He would light us up in Psalm 34 and verse 5. And it would do away with the shame that the enemy wants us to live in. The, as those that are in Christ to accuse us in Revelation 12 and verse 10. Truthfully, just accusing Christ and trying to convince us that it wasn't enough. And getting those kind of evil lying thoughts to be in the forefront of our mind. And doing away with them so supernaturally. But I love this. In Revelations and the finality, and there's many other verses about the forehead and what they mean. You see, you you, you can have a, fore, a forehead in the forefront of our mind, evil, or the good that Christ and he alone is, based upon Matthew 19 and verse 17, and Luke 18 and verse uh, 17 through 19. He and he only is good. In Exodus 34 and verse 6. But even in the finalities, we enter into the ages of the ages. In Revelation chapter 22, it says in verse 1, it says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Oh, how we're so cleansed by the water of the word of Christ. And we see like he sees now, just like God sees us. We see he's never removed his eye from the righteous once we're in Christ, and uh, in Job 36 and verse 7. And you see, we see crystal clear, because where does it proceed? Out of the throne of God, where he rules and reigns, and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will be no more curse, Oh, because he became that curse for us. He did. Oh, what must have been going on with him when he was on Calvary, the pure Lamb of God, being affected in the forefront of his mind, pure, with all the curse of sin, of personal sins of us on him. In Galatians 3 and verse 13, in Deuteronomy 21 and verse 24. Oh, what it must have been for him in Isaiah 53. Uh, 1 through 12, we see the beauty of that. And there will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb of God will be in it. And his servants will worship him, serve him based upon a purified, cleansed mind, forehead. And they will see his face and his name, who Christ is in us, each as an individual, his name, his very person, and his work that he's accomplished will be in their foreheads, <laughs> never again to be disturbed, ever, ever again. And there'll be no night there. And they will need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they will reign with him forever and ever. Oh, and just as we see this, just as we see how God has created us, even now to think properly and, and created our very physical bodies, we see he's created a frontal lobe, the forehead, 
the frontal lobe is in the forehead and it's involved in motor skills, how to perform certain things. Think about that. He's created every person, even those that don't know him. Oh, he makes his, 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 his son and his reign to go on the just and on the unjust in Matthew 5 and verse 45. He's no respecter of persons. He's not in Deuteronomy 32, 35. He's no respecter of persons. None. No. Their motor skills, even our body, that frontal lobe directs it, those motor skills, even including speech, how to speak the right way. And this goes into cognitive functions. <laughs> designed us. Just think about it. The frontal lobe is the motor center of the brain. It's the pre-central gyrus, and it's located in the rear of the frontal lobe, just in front of the parietal lobe. And this is what happens. It receives connections from the soma sensory, from the body, like the, the homoculeus in the parietal lobe. The pre-central gyrus has as a motor map. Think about this. In, in Christ, we've been redeemed. We have a motor map. This word of God, the word of God that Jesus Christ is. We have this motor map of the brain and how he's made it to glorify him, to glorify his son and to bless us and to be a blessing for others based upon a cleansed conscience a purified mind. This frontal lobe is an area on the left side of the frontal lobe called Broca's area. And listen what it does. It processes language by controlling the muscles that make sound. This goes into speech and hearing the right way. See, the ears are connected to the head. To hear properly, to hear properly. And we see this very beautifully here brought out the sounds in 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 12. There's many sounds, many voices, but there's only one, and it's our shepherd's voice that comes in and controls them, our motor skills, everything. We can't do anything without him in John 15, 1 to 5. That, he's the vine, and he's the branches. The brain reveals it, the way he even designed the brain. He's the vine. And we're the branches, all connected. All connected, and we see this beautifully. It processes language by controlling the muscles that make sound. Oh, he designed our mouth, our lips, our larynx to worship. <laughs> He's seeking worshipers. In John 4, and verse 23, God is a spirit. In 424, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And this is where the spirit takes over the soul. The frontal lobe, the brain. And then it controls the body and does away with those lust patterns, those things that we can't do anything about experientially that he's already dealt with. And we see this very beautifully, those sounds. Then the remaining areas of the frontal lobe perform associative processes, meaning this is how we grow in grace and knowledge. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, this all has to do with us getting the supernatural Listen, the word of God is supernatural. There's nothing natural about it. And God created us to reveal 
his eternal mind as we grow in 2 Peter 3.18. And the grace and truth that was only in Christ in us in John 1 and verse 14. We see this beautifully. And then it does what? Now listen, the remaining areas of that frontal lobe perform associative processes of what? Thought. How to think right. How to learn. And have a, a cleansed memory. Because when he says in, in Revelation 7 and verse 17 and Revelation 21 and verse 4, he wipes away all the tears, meaning he cleanses our memory. We're completely purified and nothing ever again will interfere with that love that he loves us with in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. There will be no disturbance and no distraction because our whole image is our spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. And Jesus, when he rose from, from the grave, when he rose from the dead, he had a body. God became a man, and when he became a man in that 14-year-old peasant girl's womb called Mary in Luke 1 and verse 35, he became a man forever. He's removed all distance between us and himself. Oh, what an amazing thing, supernatural work of God. So, and he cleanses the memory. And then what does he do? It, it, where to function in the increase of his love that knows no end, no end. In Ephesians 3, in verse 19, every part he wants, oh boy, and how we think in our minds, with our brain, and our spirit, soul, and body, every, he wants, because of what who Christ is and what he's accomplished, he wants every part of our being saturated with his love. It's amazing. It is incredible what he's done and what he gives us. Also, this and we're explaining. Listen, the Bible explains science. Science does not explain Bible. The Bible it does not. We have to go to the Word to know what, uh, why, and how we even function in these bodies. The Bible brings it out. The Word of God. The frontal lobe contains most of the dopamine sensitive neurons in the cerebral cortex in our brain. The dopamine system is associated with reward. You see, with this, with a cleansed mind to function in it. He wants us to meet him at the at, at the bema seat and get rewards because of what Christ we allowed Christ to do in us. This is First Corinthians three thirteen to fifteen. This is beautifully brought out in Second Corinthians five and verse ten, and in Romans fourteen ten uh, ten through twelve. The behemoth. He wants us to be rewarded with the mind of Christ, literally, just to receive it so that he can reward us with this beautiful mind. That's why when Aaron went in, and we read it this morning, went into the Holy of Holies, he was to have a gold, gold crown signet on it, holiness unto the Lord. It was pure gold. These are what our trials bring us. So this is how we're to think properly in Job 23 and verse 10. And in, in we see this again in First Peter 1 and verse 7. The trials are to bring out the gold. And he wants that brought out to us as a reward at the Bema seat, which is an evaluation and manifestation of the life that Christ was and is in us and what he had accomplished in us. And then everything else that wasn't of it is burnt up. The Bema seat is a place 
of a purified mind between Christ and us. That's what it is. It's got nothing to do with sin. You don't have to fear it. And, and we won't fear sin when we reverence him, when we function in godly fear, beautifully brought out. And, and the fourth psalm and the fifth psalm, just beautifully brought out. Beautifully. We can see that. So the dopamine system is associated with reward. It wants our attention. And this deals with short-term memory. And this even enters into the task, the plan that he has for us. And then we have select sensory information arriving from the thalamus to the forebrain. Everything the way that he's created us, our physical bodies. No wonder it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we were bought with a price. We're not our own. Oh, thank God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't we thankful together? No, we're no longer our own. We're not our failure. We're not our sin. We're not the lies. We're not our struggles. No. No. He wants us in our, in our foreheads. He doesn't want leaven there in our experience. He wants Christ in the midst of our forehead. He does. And this is beautiful because this goes into the, the short-term memory goes into tasks that the work that he's given us, the work of Christ. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're his workmanship created in him. He wants us in our minds, in our foreheads, in our forefront. And then what happens? The dopamine there tends to limit and select sensory information. This is Hebrews 4, 12. The word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate from the soul, from the spirit. No longer the soul controlling and doing away with the spirit and functioning in these lustful patterns of the body that the psalmist cried out, deliver me, my soul is cleaving to the dust. That old body, that old sin, those old addictions, those old attachments, Deliver me. How? According to your word. And Christians need to get the word to cleanse their mind, to cleanse the conscience experientially based upon the position that we have in Christ and what he's accomplished. So that tends, the dopamine tends to limit and select sensory information arriving from the thalamus to the forehead. Oh, his name, you know, everything about Christ in us. This is Revelation 2 and verse 17. His name is going to be in our foreheads. We'll, only, we'll never think outside his love for us ever again. In, a, in an eternal exchange that nothing will ever disturb or ever distract again. Never, never, ever again. His name, Christ, and what he, his person and what he's accomplished will be in our foreheads. And we've not seen that through those scriptures. Then this enters into the executive functions of the of the frontal lobe. And what does it do? It involves the ability, supernatural ability, not natural ability anymore. In James 3, 13 to 17, no more natural, no more, no more natural, earthly, and demonic thoughts in our foreheads, in our frontal lobes. No more. No, the executive fun functions of the frontal lobe involve the supernatural ability to recognize future consequences. You see, everything about our life is eternal. And the choices that we make, the thoughts that we think, and it results from current actions. Now, time. Time that God has given us. 
to choose between good and evil actions, to choose his best in Hebrews 1 and verse 4, and to override and suppress unacceptable worldly responses and to determine similarities and differences between things and events that don't have a thing to do with Christ. This is all how I've literally, our frontal lobe, our brains function under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, then that's the prayer. I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body. You see how it has to work. The spirit. And that goes into 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. It goes into it beautifully and brings it out. Therefore, therefore, it is involved in higher mental functions. Oh, yeah. How high has Christ brought us? Oh, do you think he wants to reveal that to us now and prepare us for our personal, intimate fellowship with him as we reign with him for all eternity? No. The frontal lobe also plays an important part in retaining longer-term memories. What is this? Oh, come and hear the word of God. Receive it. Be entreatable. I need to be. We all need to be. And then those things, when you come entreatable, even those things that you think are beyond you, the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26, in John 15, 26, in John 16 and verse 7, he stores them up in our memory. Oh, how beautiful he is. And this will be brought out in our hidden man of fellowship in the white stone in Revelations 2 and verse 17. The frontal lobe, again, plays an important part in retaining longer-term memories, listen to this, which are not task-based. They don't have anything to do with works. Not a single thing. These are often memories associated with Good emotions through the initiation of the word of God to them to our minds. And it's from import, the input from the brain's limbic system. The frontal lobe modifies those emotions with the proper thoughts generally, and they fit acceptable truth in us. They teach us what to accept and what not to. You see, this is how he's designed us. Our whole spirit, soul, and body. That's our full image, by the way. We'll recognize each other in heaven. Families. Yes, of course, and we'll all have that fellowship together. But nothing's going to replace what he stored up in us, in our brains, in our minds, in our emotions, in our will, our, our conscious and our self-consciousness in the most intense, beautiful way. He's preparing us to how to think and preparing us for this exchange for all eternity. And what we said recently, uh, what is one hour? You know what this whole life is like compared to eternity? It's almost incomprehensible. It's like one hour compared to all eternity. And is it worth it? Is it? The pain, the labor. The things that we go through? I don't know. Was it worth everything that Christ went through? In a way that only he could do, by the way. In a depth that only he could reach. Only him. We have the, this is what it says. It's very simple. Listen, it's very simple. That's, we have the mind of Christ. And God designed us to have it. Because he's redeemed us. And now what I use this for in sin 
in deception, in lies, in trouble, in pain, in agony, in tears, in being cursed, is to be redeemed. We have been redeemed positionally. Now he wants to cleanse the conscience. And that all has to do with that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Again, as we said, and we'll close based upon John 13, 4 through 10. He's cleansed us. And it brings out this beautiful picture in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. He's cleansing us. He's cleansing us. And Father, we thank you. We can't touch this. We can't touch it. I can't touch it, but oh, how Jesus has. And oh, how you, you when you saw, you saw us in, in your eternal mind, in your precious son. You saw us that way, God, in his son. That's the one that we were created in the image of. Not the fallen one, but in Christ. And oh, how we're to know each other. And oh, how we're never to compare. And oh, how we're to love one another. And never, never compare. We don't want those thoughts. Oh, I don't want those. Oh, no, I just want to function in, in my mind, in my brain, in my frontal lobe, in my spirit, soul, and body. How precious Jesus is to me. And when that happens, oh, how precious is each one in their own individuality. We have the mind of Christ that we can love God with, love our precious Savior Love the Holy Spirit, love the word. And then in turn, in John, you see the cleansing in John 13. What does it lead up to? Happy are you if you know these things and allow them to be done in you in John 13, 17. And all oh, this is it. Love one another as I have loved you. Let that be in the forefront of our thinking. Let Christ be in the forefront of our thinking this morning in a way that only he can do. And he, he can take his word this morning and bring it far beyond any of us could ever imagine. And we thank you, Lord, for how beautiful you are, how incredible you are. Oh, how you've beautified us on the inside and given us a mind, an emotion, and a will, and a self-consciousness in Christ and a conscience so that we can experience it in our foreheads and a frontal lobe. Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking a lot uh, about primary security, and I just was very blessed this morning by Exodus 28, 38, when it was just talking about how, you know, Aaron being the type of Christ there and just showing that we're always accepted in Christ all the time and having because it has nothing to do with our performance, but just what he did for us. So I was just that was awesome. Yeah, primary security. We call that it's foundational security. If you don't have that straight. You can't build properly. You'll never be edified. It has to do with he never ties his love to our performance. His love was tied to the performance of Jesus Christ on Calvary in our place. Amen. That's why 1.6. We already are accepted in the beloved. Just think of the things that we try to be accepted for. Right. Others, the world, trying to live by def the definition of success in the, in, with the world's thinking from Satan, unbelievable. We already are accepted. You can't be any better than who he's made you to be in the intimacy of his love, and you as an individual like no other. Uh, I was blown away by uh, uh, when you talked about Revelations 21.4, about wiping away every tear. 
And you, you said that has <clears throat> the cleansing of our memories. And uh, I never looked at it from the source of, of the memory. I always looked at the effect of the tears, you know. And that was really good this morning. Very good. Really, yeah. And every part of how he designed us. Well, not to be afraid of that. Now, maybe it's not for everyone, but the substance of it is. The substance of it, substance of it is. But I believe in explaining how he's even designed us with everything about our image. And and you know, and don't buy the lie, oh, that's too much. You know, that that's too much for you. That's beyond your capacity. Yeah, I know. Who is our capacity? It's yeah. Christ. <laughs> Anyone else? Barbara, are you there? I just I just feel overwhelmed with you know how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. You bring that brings out and watch how that that's a very good point, Barbara. Watch how that starts. It starts about the thought life in Psalm 139, and it goes right to about how he formed us in our mother's womb in Psalm 139, 14 and 15. And all his thoughts in Psalm 139, 17 were towards us. We can't even number them. Incredible. Great portion, Barbara. Beautiful. Awesome. Anything else from anyone that can add? That's amazing. Woo. I was just oh, going to say I'm so thankful this morning for the power of the word, how it just cleanses the mind, cleanses yeah. the um, the memory. Yeah. Like I woke up this morning and I didn't have the definition for my the desire of my heart, but that's what it was. You know, I just wanted to be cleansed and reminded. And the uh, the word that God had for us this morning was just just so precise in oh. that. I'm just really overwhelmed with thankfulness for his word this morning, you know, and for you all too. This is just so important. Yeah. Me too. With, me too. Yeah. Me with you. And just think we can have this in our own individuality. And when we do, we have it with each other. Amen. We can, gosh, nothing of the world, not, not one thing. And that's why, even it says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, meaning Christ is not in their thinking, not in their, in, in their forefront, not. Wow. This is why the enemy, boy, I'll tell you, Isaiah 59, 19, it's not if, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, then the spirit lifts up a standard against them. And he has to flee. Mm. I can't tell you. Listen, I can't tell you, boy. It's almost like, it seems like it's this this way with me. It's like Satan gets gets his permission from God to uh, try and obliterate me with every. I'll tell you what was going on with me personally. I'm just going to tell you, very, very personally. And this is why he brought this message out. And because the enemy... And without me even knowing it, without my permission, was trying to get me to relive all my old sins. All through last night, all through all through the night, was trying to get me to relive it. And voicing them, why? That was the enemy coming in like a flood. But then the spirit 
with all of us together, Spirit lifted up a standard. That's Christ. And cleanse my conscience. Just cleanse me immediately. You know, <laughs> boy, I'll tell you. Did such a cleansing job, you know. And that was this is that was my that's my testimony. I mean, it's been the enemy, boy, you boy. The higher you get in terms in your mind of the position of Christ, the greater the atmosphere is going to come against you. And it's not proof that God is against you. It's proof he's for you. When you face all these difficulties and these things, the evidence is, and that's evidence for each of us, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, a great and effectual door is open unto me. And there are many adversaries. And that door starts with each of us. It starts in our minds, in our frontal, frontal lobes. That's where it starts, in our foreheads. That's where it starts. That's the attack on the mind. Yes, sir. And that's why we need to, we have all that armor. We'll get into that. I want to do that book, with too, about spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 to 19. Uh, we have the helmet of salvation. That's protecting our minds, our frontal lobes. And then we have the shield. In Ephesians 6, 16, where we quench all the fiery missiles from hell, all those lying lies and thought projections that come against us. It's terrible. And usually when he can accuse me, he'll use me to accuse others. He loves to do that. <laughs> when we can function in fellowship and when we do in our minds, we're, aren't we for one another? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you for being here and being a portion. And we're so grateful for everybody. And God Guys, bless. Thanks, Juan. I love every single one of y'all. Love you. And love yeah. you too. God love bless. Meaning is ended.